1: Welcome to Devon Dragon Radio. I'm your host, Emma Ruschak. I'm here with special guest and author, Angela Lee. Welcome. Thank you. I'm Uh, I'm really pleased to be here. (laughs) I am thrilled to have you. You're a, if I'm reading this correct, an USA Today bestselling author. (laughs)
2: i have been written up in usa today but i haven't reached that level of being a best-selling author in their publication yet 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 (laughs) is always a
1: word if you're already on the radar it's coming yeah exactly (laughs) so before we get into your books what inspired you to write
2: you know, I I'll, I had this like feeling I was supposed to write for, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. And I, I used to be in government and I used to um, do ergonomics and teach people how to work in a safe manner. And so way back then, I thought I was going to write a book about ergonomics and about how to, um, you know, be safe at work. And what I ended up doing was writing a a small story for a friend's daughter that just kept growing and growing. And now I have a two book series with the third book coming out in March, which I'm so excited to be on this particular show because the title of the third book is princess uh, princess bella visits the dragon's lair and it's filled with dragons well that works out perfectly for the yeah, show <laughs> exactly
1: so what okay so we have the third book coming out mm-hmm. what is what is the first book and how did it lead into the second book without giving too much away
2: So the first book is called Bella Santini in the land of everlasting change. And my background is kind of the mystery forest kind of atmosphere that is all over that book. Um, The story is about Bella, who as a 14 year old girl goes on a camping trip with her parents and is She stumbles upon a fairy ceremony in a meadow and is arrested and brought to the fae world but kept there for her safety. (laughs) And so she has to go through a number of different trials. Um, Part of the safety plan for her was that she would attend Yelly Moon School and Yelly Moon doesn't allow anyone in unless they meet a certain level of magic. And so this human Ooh. child st- stuck in the fae world who has to figure out how to magically get into Yelly Moon <laughs> school. That sounds fun. So what age bracket are we dealing with right now? You know, my books are written for eight to 12 year olds. So the preteen age bracket. Mm-hmm. And I've had so many comments from adults saying how much they love my books. So it's a 73-year-old grandmother messaged me and said, I just can't wait for the next one. When are you going to get it out? A 30-year-old man who does Instagram book reviews Mm -hmm. loved book one so much. He offered to do the review for book two for nothing so <laughs> he's like I just gotta know what happens next <laughs> isn't that wonderful when your book reviewers
1: and a lot of people don't know this a lot of the reviewers on Instagram Facebook and stuff like this that get to use a social media element for your books you have to pay for it yeah but oh, then yeah. if you get them hooked from the first book they'll go oh I have to know what's going on <laughs>
2: yeah and you know it the stories are engaging but they also carry a deeper message Mm -hmm. of that you are magical and the magic that you have is the love that you carry in your heart and through the application of your love you create magic in the world and that is a message that I want all kids to get that to know that they are special that they are magical Mm -hmm. and so there's that message but one of the big um, things in the books are learning how to deal with your emotions and this is a Um, thing that I came across naturally because I had an alcoholic father who was very abusive and I learned from him that rage was something that no one should ever have to face and so I grew up repressing and suppressing my own anger because I wasn't going to be like him but the thing about emotions is that they cannot be held down. <laughs> so No,
1: you bottle, we're taught as children from the world around us that you don't show emotions. You bottle them you and you keep them. hidden away. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you turn 18, 21, whatever, and they
2: explode. <laughs> <laughs> it's not necessarily... Um, Wow. I turned my phone on airplane mode, but it keeps making noise. So I'm putting it over there. (laughs) It's not like an age that you reach, but you think that you're suppressing an emotion and you think you have it bottled up. And the next thing, you know, you explode. And that's because there was a trigger point, something that caused that feeling to come up in you and you explode. The explosions can go inward as opposed to outward. And so that's where self-harming and um, deep depression. Deep, and Exactly. There's a lot
1: of going into this and dealing with my own emotions through childhood up to adulthood. You turn inward or you turn outward. There's exactly two ways it,
2: that you explode inward yeah. or
1: outward. Inward.
2: through I mean, both. <laughs> so. And and so what my books do is give children the tools to deal with even their most painful emotion from a space of neutrality so that they are not pulled into that rabbit hole of pain. And through this, they learn how to not be emotionally triggered. Because if you know that your reaction to something is only because you're carrying that energy, you're carrying that behavior matches something that you were injured by over in your childhood. And so the only reason you're reactive to that behavior is because that stored energy of the unprocessed emotion is still in you and when you can recognize that all i need to do is let that emotion out and then i'm not going to be reactive anymore it's a very powerful thing it really is we
1: need to teach our children but then we have to also teach our adults to look back on their childhood to yeah. find out what the trigger was so the yeah. book is actually working both ways
2: yeah and it's it's the books unlock within the adult a memory of their childhood it makes them feel like when they were you know 10 years old and reading um, the hobbit or some other magical book it just draws them into that kind of magic but Then they're also absorbing the information about how to deal with emotions because that's part of the conversation the characters have. And instead of going and getting a self help book that someone's going to lecture you on how to deal with your emotions, here you could pick up a fairy tale and absorb the information instead of having to you know, learn it the hard way.
1: Right. There's two types of learners. One that needs an abstract way of absorbing and mm-hmm. the ones that need a very analytical way of absorbing. Yeah. But you're actually in a way pairing the two through fiction and teaching it to your children. And then what do children do? But tell their parents, hey, read <laughs> this or I'm le- reading this today. I'm learning this in my book or so-and-so's doing this in the book
2: yeah and and really what I propose to parents is that they read the books to their children Mm -hmm. because in that sharing of the story it brings up the ability to talk about some of the hard subjects that are covered in the book like child abandonment or um, bullying or you know, war and being able to help as as the parent being able to help the child see that often when children are abandoned or adopted, it's not because the child is unworthy or unloved. It's because the parent realizes that they don't have the wherewithal to support that child And they want more for their child. So they leave them somewhere where they hope they can get more. And just undoing the idea that being adopted means someone didn't want me is is big. Because in, in all the people I've talked to, in all the people that I've read about in all the stories I've read letting letting go of a child is not something that someone does selfishly <laughs> it's really the most unselfish act they can do
1: it really is we have the ones that have I don't want the child so you hear the abandonment in very bad places and then you know they don't just don't know
2: what to do they don't yes. have the mental they don't have the tools or the or the understandings to do any more than that
1: right it's not that they don't want better for the child it's that they don't understand there's an option where to go right to give this child the tools it needs to thrive
2: yeah and so you know unfortunately what happens is that children who are left in those kind of circumstances grow up and they internalize the feeling that they don't matter, that they weren't worthwhile, that they were throwaways, and that can't be more of a lie. You know, it's it's just a lie. They they matter and they are valuable. <laughs> and so, right. We have to go through the what
1: society has told us. Mm-hmm. Because what the dialogue society says isn't the, in fact, the truth about what is going on. You got it. Yes. <laughs> we do this even with bullying. It's not that the person being bullied is the target, it's the bully, They're going through something and they're looking for an outlet and they choose an outlet in the school.
2: They choose an outlet that they know Mm -hmm. because, because people who are... struggling to control are in a place where they don't have any control and so they're struggling to find where they can control in their life and if you can't a child can't control their home so they go to school and they try and control their i mean we have two losers at that point
1: you have the child being bullied and they don't understand why And then you have the child bullying because they don't have the control and there's something in their home life that needs to be fixed.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I can, there's, you know, that's a whole rabbit hole that we can go down. My Mm -hmm. friend, um, Karen Kuma wrote a book about being the daughter of a woman with schizophrenia. And her mother targeted her as the bad guy in the house. Mm -hmm. And so the abuse that Karen experienced at the hands of her mother, she didn't, she went inward with her, her painful feelings and, and her explosions went inward. So she, you know, saw herself as less, but Someone else in that situation could easily take all of that and and explode outward and hurt others. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And so what we see is this generational pattern of behavior that hopefully we're coming to a place where we can say, no, stop this. It's not the way we want to be.
1: Right. We have to teach our children there's a different way because we're seeing this even today as adults, a lot in the author world, believe it or not, where an author will target and bully another author. Oh, I haven't seen that. (laughs) You haven't seen that? Oh, I, I have to connect you with some of this behind the scenes stuff. I, I I see all types, but we had authors actually commit suicide because they were being bullied by other authors. Mm. And, and that is, gosh, it's so sad. And, and it comes all back to there's something in their life that isn't being fulfilled the way that they want to control it.
2: Well, and, and it's not having, an inner strength enough to know that the words someone else says, says more about who they are mm-hmm. than it can ever say about who you are. Right. And so, you know, that was one of the lessons I learned from my father, because when we picture a drunk raging adult man screaming at a four year old girl and telling her that she's worthless, mm-hmm. That isn't, that's who he is, it isn't me. Yeah. So, yeah. And you
1: have an adult ch- attacking a child through words. That's who they are, it's not who the child is. But the child
2: doesn't understand this. No, the child sees the adult as the authority, and they believe that they're telling truth. And so they take in that, you know, how many adults are walking around with feelings of unworthiness because of things their parents said, and they don't have to, they don't have to hold on to that. They have the choice. Wouldn't it be great if they
1: read your book and go, oh. Maybe I need to change my actions because I'm not teaching my child correctly because of something I went through when I was their age.
2: Yeah. And and it's not, there is so much in what you just said. It, it's a beautiful thing. Um parents unwittingly, they either just like with the emotions exploding either inward or outward, parents choose either to do the exact opposite of what their parents did or follow what their parents did. And they have no idea that there is a whole nother set of choices that they can make. But, you know, that's it's not their fault because who teaches parenting? You know, (laughs) I mean, there's there's a lot of people now teaching conscious parenting, Mm -hmm. including me, but it's not. Um, you know, I remember being in high school. There were no classes about parenting. There were no classes in college, really, about parenting, unless you were going to become a teacher and you could learn, um, you know, how to treat infants. In that, right? But- right. I mean, you go through school twenty years ago.
1: That's when I graduated high school. There was life skill class if you really want to take it as an elective and it teaches you how to turn the key in the crying baby and put it in a locker that's basically what what the
2: parenting class was 20 years ago don't do that (laughs) don't do that right that's not a good parenting um technique (laughs) but that was the parenting class you put the key in the
1: back of the baby to get the quit crying. And then four hours later, you turn the key again. Other than that, you're not really doing anything with this crying doll.
2: And you're not learning anything other than put the key in the back and have it shut up. Which is another form of don't cry. Mm -hmm. There, there, don't cry. Mm -hmm. Which is a whole lot of bottling of feelings. Mm -hmm.
1: So you're actually being taught to teach your children, no, don't cry. We don't want to deal with whatever's wrong. We just want you to be quiet. Right. That's not what we need into today's society. That model worked back in the 50s and 60s. Or even the 1800s. <laughs> I'll say it worked because that was a social norm and we didn't know better. We're now moving into the age of enlightenment and we know better. Mm-hmm. So we Now we're actually trying to teach conscious
2: parenting. Yeah. And it's not that difficult, really. It's about nurturing your child, allowing them to feel their feelings, showing them that you feel your feelings, modeling the behavior of dealing with your feelings, Um, modeling the behavior of, questioning your thoughts because what i teach is that the the way to to face feelings from a space of neutrality is to disconnect the story from the feelings because when the story and the feelings overlap it's an electromagnetic charge because feelings are magnetic and thoughts are electrical and so The idea that whenever our mind is involved and we're saying, oh, it isn't fair. He did that to me or this happened or that happened. And you're in the story of what happens. You're actually magnetizing those feelings to you. If you want
1: really to understand this point, be introduced to an autistic child. They are very electric in their feelings. And they won't just tell you what's going on. They will animate what's going on mm-hmm. and you will be able to feel what's going on. I'm a parent of an autistic child. Wow. I know this no better than my, through my own self-experience. My daughter, when she's telling a story, it's not just, she's telling the emotion. She's animating the emotion
2: because it's what she's feeling. Right. And her feelings are so much bigger than ours. And autistic children, they're born into this world, and and there's so this world is so heavy with feelings mm-hmm. that are undealt with and and hidden. And um so these kids who are very sensitive are exposed to these heavy deep feelings and they're not prepared. They don't know how to how to truly express and express that. And it's overwhelming. It and
1: is. So then they have these outbursts or meltdowns or whatever the adulting world wants to call them. What it really what it is is they're trying to process their emotions while processing the emotions of everyone around them. Yep. That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. So if you learn anything from the autistic child (laughs) is, hey, they're telling
2: you not only your emotion, but they're telling you your emotion. Yeah. Yeah. And I honestly believe that the autistic children, the Asperger's children, these are higher dimensional. They they are children who have higher sensitivities to energy and they feel so deeply things that we average people just walk on by. And I'm very empathic. Mm -hmm. I feel other people's feelings. So I have a little bit of understanding of what it is to be an autistic child. It's even at at the level I am as an empathic person, clairsentient, I get overwhelmed by the feeling like going into a grocery store and, and just feeling everybody's pain in the store and wanting to run out because it's like, wow, that's just too much.
1: I actually... 2020 was the best year for me because I'm not a social person to begin with <laughs> because of the same thing. I can't be around other people's emotions. I pick up too much. I feel too much. And mm-hmm. then I have my daughter next to me who's autistic and she's just off the wall feeling everything because that's her her being her. That's what autistic children do. And then I'm bouncing off of her and I just can't do it. So 2020 with her not being in school. And I don't have to deal with (laughs) the extra emotions in the baggage she's bringing home because she had a bad day because so-and-so is in a negative space today.
2: And here's an energy um, practice that I do that can help when you're picking up other people's emotions. Just imagine two feet in front of you a rose and you can make the rose whatever color you want, but that rose is, it's not a barrier, but it's a delineation. This is where you end and behind the rose is everybody else. And you can tell the rose to vacuum up the energy of other people that are coming into your space and then you just explode the rose and send the energy back and I find that that's pretty useful for me when I start getting overwhelmed in a grocery store well it, that, we
1: all have our different ways of dealing with yes you know that works for you we all have our other ways to deal with, especially with the empathic people out there in the world but we are almost out of time. So before we get into too much of the energy, where can our listeners and our viewers find more
2: about you and your books? So my website, AngelaLee.com, A-N-G-E-L-A-L-E-G-H.com is probably the easiest way to learn about me. And then um, my books are on Amazon. So you could look up the Bella Santini Chronicles and they'll show up. (laughs) Wonderful.
1: Nice and easy for our listeners and our viewers. So again, Angela, thank you so much for being on the show today.
2: Mm, Thank you. I really appreciate you. And for
1: our viewers and our
2: listeners, happy
1: reading.